Praise Yahweh. I feel good. I feel good. You know, Brother Frankie talked about rain or shine, and it made me think of Brother Orlando Smith. Some of you have heard it, but as Brother TJ says, you've slept since then, and some of you may not have heard it, but we were up at Harry Dombeck's in Pennsylvania one time, Brother, Brother Arnold and Sister Hazel and my wife and I, and we had four children. Rosalind was newborn. We had four children at that time. And Brother Orlando was there. Brother Orlando is one of the men. He's, he's asleep now. He's fallen asleep in, in the Messiah. But he was one of the men who um, had a big impact on my life. I first met him when I was a teenager. And he was a sight to behold. Uh, but he was a fine servant of Yahweh. He loved Yahweh. Um, loved the son of Yahweh. And he was at the feast. I think he was he was in his 80s when we were up in Pennsylvania. This this story that I'm telling. And he was laying down. They had a big congregational sukkah. And he was laying down, and it's already in his. Uh, why can't I think of the word? Sleeping bag. Thank you, brother. Fivefold ministry, right? <laughs> Sleeping bag. And uh, we were talking, all talking. I can't remember what we were discussing. Scripture, you know, I know. And it started to rain. And, you know, they, they, they only had the top. was only branches. And it started to rain. I remember, and it started to drip on us. And people said, oh, we got to get out and get in the tents, you know. And some people had RVs. And Tisha and I had our conversion van we had at the time up there. We were sleeping in that. And... um I looked over at Brother Orlando, and I said, Brother Orlando, I said, it's starting to rain. It was hitting him. And he reached down in that sleeping bag, and he pulled out a piece of plastic, and he put it over his head. <laughs> and it just kept dripping on him. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't going anywhere. He was going to stay under that sukkah. He was very devoted, very devoted. I'm talking about in his 80s now. He was a fine fella. Look forward to seeing him one day again. Luke 6, 46 through 49 beginning at verse 46, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, or Master, Master, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against the house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act it's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the destruction of that house was great. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. Today we come to the end of another chapter in our study through the book of Luke. We taught all the way from Luke 1, verse 1, all the way up now after today through Luke 6, 49. But it's not only the end of a man-made chapter. And we must remember, the chapter and verse divisions, they're not sinful, they're not bad, but they were added by man at a much later time than they were originally spoken or written down, the manuscripts. So we don't only come to the end of a chapter, but we come to the culmination of a sermon that was taught by the greatest teacher to ever live, and that is Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of Yahweh. We dealt with verse 46 in the last lesson, but I want to begin with it here in this lesson. And Yeshua says, Why do you call me master, master, owner, owner, boss, boss, and don't do the things that I say? 
Why does someone call Yeshua master and not do the things that he says? Now, I don't think that Yeshua is asking why here in the sense of this. Give me a reason why, explain it to me, and I'll listen to you, I'll listen to what you have to say, and maybe I'll agree with you. I don't think that's what he's saying here. Um, He's saying it rather in the sense of, what do you think you're doing? How can you call me master if you're not interested in doing what I say? I think that's the sense of his words. I think everybody would agree with that. And the answer to that question is that we cannot. We cannot call him master and not be interested in doing what he says. I say this often, but we cannot divorce belief in the Messiah from belief in his teachings. People say, I believe in the Messiah, and it starts and stops in the mind. That's not good enough. Brother TJ will eventually get to it in his study on James, but even the demons have that type of belief. Mental recognition. They believe in one Almighty, and they tremble before Him. They know He exists. They have mental knowledge. But they do not have works that are produced from that mental knowledge because that's all it is. It's head knowledge. It's not heart knowledge. It's not writing the law on heart and mind, see. So we can't. We can't call Yeshua master, boss, owner, superior, if we're not desiring to obey him or follow his example. We can't. It would be like, this is what it would be like. This is just an illustration meant to explain to some degree. It would be like showing up for the first day on a new job and your boss hands you a shovel. And I used a shovel because I'm used to using a shovel in my line of work. (laughs) Your boss hands you a shovel and he says, Brother Geary, or he says Geary, I don't know if he'd call you brother or not, but he says Geary, he says, I want you to dig me a hole two foot deep and two foot square. And then we look at our boss and we say, I'd rather not, I'd just rather not do that. And we go and we want to do our own thing. Well, what would he think? Well, i tell you what would happen really quick. He would not be your boss because you would get fired. You don't call a man your boss if you're not willing to do what he tells you to do. And that's a synonym for master. Master means you're superior, you're sovereign, you're owner. So Yeshua goes on to say in verse 47, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. I want you to notice the threefold here, the three parts. Someone, number one, comes to Yeshua. Number two, they listen to what he says. And number three, they take action. Now, I'm sure that there were people that only came to him. They heard that he'd be at such and such a place, so they showed up, but they weren't interested in even listening to him. Some people didn't even get that far. They just came to him. But there were others who came to him and then listened to him. They stayed to hear him speak. But once they left... They did not act on what they had heard. You can't just have the one part. You can't just have the two parts. There's three parts here. Yeshua says, I will tell you about the man who comes to me, listens to me, and acts upon what I say. That's what his genuine followers do. And that's what we will do if we're followers of him. 
will come to Him, what's been recorded in His sermon here in Luke 6, and will listen to Him, meaning with an intent on understanding. Not just listening and letting it go in one ear and out the other, like we say, but you listen with an intent to understand and to comprehend. And then we'll say, after we come to Him and we listen to Him, we'll say, okay, now let me put this to practice, what He's taught. For example, He's a great teacher, the greatest. All this is, is He's wrapping up this whole sermon in a nutshell. He's giving a conclusion to everything He's taught in Luke chapter 6. For example, one of the things He's told us in this sermon, in Luke 6, is that the poor and the hungry are blessed. Now, we've seen, I taught two messages on both of those, and we've seen that Yeshua is speaking of the poor in spirit, or the humble. And when he says the hungry, he's talking about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So the poor in spirit are blessed, and those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are blessed. Well, what we should do is we should come to him, we should listen to what he says with an intent on understanding it, and then we should strive to be humble, poor in spirit, and strive to hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's what we should do. We don't just listen to Him and then keep doing our own thing. Or, we talked about this. I spent, I think, two sermons on this. When Yeshua says to love our enemies and be merciful like Yahweh is, Yahweh, remember, He sends rain on the righteous, but He also sends rain on the unrighteous. The sun, which is a great, bountiful blessing here upon the earth, the S-U-N sun, He sends that, it rises on the righteous man's house, it rises on the unrighteous man's house. He shows that common grace to his enemies, and we're to treat our enemies with the same amount of common grace. Well, do we just hear that and not act on it? Do we listen to Yeshua and shake our head and say, yep, that's right, that's right, but then we go on and we continue to hate our enemies? Well, that's not a man who loves the Master. That's not a man who believes Yeshua is really his Master. A man who loves Yeshua will say this. This is going to be tough. It goes against my flesh. I had a fellow just cuss me out yesterday, and I've got to go talk to him today, and I want to cuss him out back. That's what your flesh says, right? Surely I'm not the only one that has those thoughts. Let's be honest here. You know? It's tough. (laughs) It's tough. But the man that believes in Yeshua as his master says this, when he persecutes me, when he does evil to me, I want to overcome evil with good because my goal is that that lost sheep be found. He's an enemy of Yahweh right now, but I don't want him to keep being an enemy of Yahweh. That's what the righteous man says, the follower of Yeshua says. In other words, that man says, give me that shovel, I'm going to dig the hole no matter how long it takes. Look at verses 47 through 48 now together because Yeshua tells us what this man is like. He says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. Remember the threefold division there. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. The man who comes to him, listens, and then acts on his words is like a man, he says, who built his house on a sturdy, solid foundation. He dug deep, found the rock, and built his house on the rock. And when a torrential storm came, 
Yes, the waters hit the house. It was loud. The river crashed against the house. After the storm, you could tell that the storm had been to the house, but the flood could not take the house down. That's how the man is who comes to him, listens to him, and does what he says. And I want to be that person, don't you? I want to be the man who when all hell breaks into my life, that I get stronger, not weaker. Yeshua tells us how to do it. Here again, He's the boss, so let's listen to Him. And it's very simple, very simple. We come to Him, we lay aside all pride, thinking we know best, and we say, I'm going to listen to my Master, and I'm going to do what He says. You know, far too often, I believe that we come to this assembly and we hear great insights from the Word. We hear this brother share and this sermon taught. And we might even say, man, I really received something at Sabbath today. I really was blessed and encouraged and I was edified and I learned something from brother so-and-so or from sister so-and-so or from a child. We do that, yet we leave this place and we fail to apply what we heard to our life. And when we do not act, we're not building our house upon the rock. When we go to a spiritual brother or a spiritual sister in the faith for advice, and praise Yahweh we have people to go to in this life, and it's just not Yahweh and His Son, but we have brothers and sisters that we can count on. I'm thankful for them, aren't you? But when we go to those, to that brother or to that sister for advice and we listen and we nod our head and we say, I say, brother, you know what? That's so right. What you're telling me is so right. If I leave and I keep doing the same wrong things over and over again, I'm not the wise man. I came to that brother who's trying to tell me what Yeshua teaches, what Yahweh teaches, I listen to him or her, but I leave and I don't act upon what I was told. It's not the wise man. I've experienced this in my own life recently. Um, I want to tell you about it. I want to give a little testimony here in this sermon. That's okay. In preaching through this text, specifically the part where Yeshua is teaching, the Sermon on the Plain, as I like to call it, the P-L-A-I-N, His words about judgmentalism hit me the hardest. I'm speaking about myself right now. Those words, out of all that he said, hit me the hardest. And they hit me hard. I'm going to tell you why they hit me hard. It's because I have a problem with that in my life. That's why they hit me. I've been the man that wants to immediately be hard on people rather than merciful on people. I've been the man that wants to automatically condemn rather than forgive. I've been the man that wants to pronounce someone guilty before innocent rather than innocent before guilty. I've been that man. But Yeshua is my master. At least that's what I say. So I'm working on that because I want to be the wise man who doesn't just listen to him but who does what he says. So, I've been trying to love people where they are at. 
That's what I've been trying to do. The lost sheep of Israel. You know, they're called that because they're lost. (laughs) They need to be found. And they might be my enemies. A lot of them are. And they might hate me. And some of them might say evil things about me. As a matter of fact, I know that they do. (laughs) And they might do evil things themselves. But my deepest desire needs to be that they come to know the Master that I know. That's my deepest desire. So instead of condemning them, looking down my nose at them, acting like there's no hope and not taking my time with them, I've been trying to be more kind and compassionate and friendly and let them know that I'm here to help them. And this also goes for people who don't see everything exactly like I do. You know, these people might be believers themselves, but are not aware of certain biblical teachings that we may be aware of. Just like I was when I first met Brother Orlando. He wore tassels and I didn't. And Brother Orlando didn't throw me in the lake because I wasn't wearing tassels. You know what he did? When I asked him, what are those? He said, let me teach you. That was a law I wasn't being obedient to at the time. He said, that's a small one. It doesn't matter if it's least or great. Matthew 5.19 says we've got to be teachers and keepers of even the least of the commandments. Amen? (laughs) So I'm thankful for that. I know a lot more now at 33 years old than I did when I met Brother Orlando at the age of 18. And I'm certain by His grace and mercy that when I'm 53, I'll know more then than I know now. That doesn't mean I don't love Yahweh now. But I'm growing in grace and I'm growing in knowledge. And when I meet a believer that doesn't know everything that I might know, I can have a haughty attitude or I can have an attitude of gentleness and say, let's take some time to teach this fellow or this sister. I've opened myself up to people in the past I don't know, six months, more than I've ever done in my life as a believer. Not just to share what I know with them, but also to realize that I don't know it all. And I need to learn from them. And I found that many of these people excel greatly in areas where I need to be helped. And so I say, I want to be helped too. I'll help you with things that I can and you help me with things that you can. And we'll be brothers together. Well, do you know what I've seen happen since I've been doing that? This is my testimony. It's a personal testimony, I'm telling you. Since I've been trying to practice that more, I mean consciously practice it, I don't always make it. I don't always do it. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? (laughs) took him a week to make the moon and the stars. It takes him way longer to make Matthew who he ought to be. But what's happened is I've seen people open up to me in ways that I never thought would be possible. I've seen some of these people now come and ask me what I believe scripturally, and then they're willing to listen 
with an intent to understand what I have to say. I don't even have to bring anything up. So I've seen some of these people now come to me and ask me, hey, can you share with me about this without me ever even saying anything? And then when I share, it's not like I'm force-feeding it to them. They're listening wanting to hear. And you know how much of a blessing it is to talk to somebody when they want to hear? And I just don't want to say that from me to them. I want to say it from them to me too. I want to be the man that when they talk to me that I want to hear what they have to say. People will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. This was the mindset of our master. He went to those who knew that they were sick. You remember when the Pharisees, they got all bent out of shape, self-righteous serpents that they were? They got all bent out of shape because he said, y'all are having a feast at Levi's house and you're inviting sinners. And Yeshua said, go, go back and tell them that they that are whole don't need a doctor. And what he meant was those that think that they're whole <laughs> don't need a doctor. The Pharisees thought they were whole, but really they weren't. But he said, but those that are sick. But I didn't come to call the righteous, that is the so-called righteous, those that think they're righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I mentioned in a couple of sermons ago that Yeshua said, these are not my words. Don't get mad at me when I say this, please. I know it's very forthright. But Yeshua said that whores and tax collectors enter the kingdom of heaven before the Pharisees. I'm afraid that if I would have come up with that, people would be upset with me. But that's the master. Why did he say that? Why did he say it? Because the odds are great or greater that the whore and the tax collector will know that they need help. And they'll be willing to say, help me, help me, help me. But the Pharisees say, we don't want anything to do with you, master. We don't want anything to do with you. Yeshua said that the man who prayed in Luke 18, the man who prayed, have mercy on me, a sinner, went home justified rather than the man who prayed, Yahweh, I'm glad I'm not like other men. There's only two ways to pray. We should pray like the publican there, not the Pharisee. It is funny how that the instructions are right here for us in the Bible. Yet so often we want to try and do things our own way because we think that our way makes more sense. And you know what? Sometimes it does make more human, worldly sense. But Yahweh's ways are always the proper and correct way. Just like we talk about Yahweh's law, some laws we can understand. Some laws that I used to not understand, I do now. There are some laws that I obey now that I still don't understand why Yahweh gave them. But it, it doesn't matter if I never understand. He said it, and I know his way has to be the right way. So I, I, I do it. I look at that tree in its third year of growing the fruit, and I think, boy, that apple looks good. What will be wrong with me eating that? He always says, no. Fourth year, it's holy to me. Fifth year, you can eat of it. I picked uh, watermelon from my garden. I didn't even plant watermelon this year. I did the Bag to Eden garden. But I had a huge watermelon plant grow voluntary. 
That won't happen unless you plant non-hybrid heirloom open-pollinated seeds. The seeds of Yahweh, not the seeds of man. All right, brother? And then the seeds of Yahweh grow the food of Yahweh. The seeds of man grow the food of man. Well, there was a big watermelon, Brother Tim, the other day. And I mean, it was looking so beautiful. And I'd been eyeing that thing, and I had forgotten about the first fruit law. You know, for a time, I guess. Not forgotten totally, but I went and I picked that watermelon out, and I tucked it up under my arm, and I turned around and walked toward my house. And the, the first thing in my mind was, I knew what knife I was going to get. I was going to split that watermelon, and I was going to eat that watermelon. And all of a sudden, it hit me. First fruit. First fruit. I'm not even saying I know exactly how to obey that law right now. There's not an active Levite priesthood. But I do know this. Yahweh commands about the first fruits. And first doesn't just mean first in order, but primary like the best looking one. And so there's no way that I'm going to eat the first watermelon because I want Yahweh's blessings. And so it hit me. And, you know, my flesh didn't want to set it aside, but I took it over there and, like I said, I don't know exactly what to do with it, but I, I set it on top of my will, and I, I said, Yahweh, that one's yours. And you know what? He gave me four or five other ones, Sister Rachel. <laughs> After that, he did. And Yahweh blessed me. I think fivefold. I think I've got a few more, maybe, that i got to eat. Did I give you some one, Brother Randy? Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. So, praise Yahweh. We don't have to understand everything mentally. We just obey. And it's the same thing with Yeshua's words here. We think, do good to those that hate us. Bless those that curse us. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water. That's an Old Testament. Exodus says, if you see the ox of him that hates you laying under his burden, don't act like you don't see that ox. Help the ox of your enemy up. That doesn't make human fleshly sense. But it's always better to go with what Yahweh says and what He says through His Son. The more you act on Yeshua's words, the stronger your house will be. It's like with the example I gave earlier about loving your enemies. Each time your enemy throws a brick at you, you don't throw the brick back. You don't pick up another one and throw it back. You take that brick that He threw and you add it to your foundation. And you just keep on building. After a while, you've built a sturdy house. And it will withstand the flood waters. And can I talk with the men for a second? This is to the men because the, in the Scriptures, we know that they teach the masculine gender is the head of the home. This is the biblical teaching. I know it's not popular in modern nominal Christianity, but it's the biblical teaching. Us men will set the spiritual climate in our homes. In other words, if we want a holy home, we've got to be interested in setting a holy climate in that home. Our wives will follow a man that loves his wife and honors her and cherishes her. They will follow. They will. Brother Andy said that Elder Jacob Almeyer, before he passed away, he would talk about treating your wife like the queen. And he said if you treat that wife like the queen she won't be able but to help treat you like the king. You say even call you master? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's too primitive, Brother Matthew. Look, the Bible's never never gets outdated. And in First Peter, this is New Testament. In First Peter, it talks about how that the daughters of Sarah, they follow Sarah's example and they call their husbands master. And it says, whose daughters you, you are if you do well and are in fear? The Almighty. But the reason that Sarah does that, the reason that women today do that is because that man sets that spiritual climate in the home. Your home, men, priest of your home, will be as holy as you are. Come on. It'll be as holy as, as us men are. I speak to myself too, brothers. I'm not just pointing fingers. Speaking to Brother Matthew too. I'm a man. <laughs> so it applies to me. Look at verse 49. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. See, when we hear and don't do, it's like building a house without a foundation. We have no stability because all we've been doing is coming to Yeshua and just listening to Him, but leaving and not acting upon what He said. And when calamity comes at us, do you know what happens? If we are like this foolish man, we will collapse because there's no foundation. We will be destroyed, and great will be our destruction. And I want to ask us all here today, think about that personally. Think about that as it pertains to you. We've seen through this sermon of our Master's that it's all introspective. It's all about looking at ourselves first before trying to plant this upon somebody else. Don't think about the neighbor that sits beside you. Don't think about, as we sometimes joke around, boy, brother so-and-so, I really wish he would have been here for that sermon. He really needed to hear that sermon. Sister so-and-so really needed to hear that sermon. Why couldn't Brother Matthew have taught that when they were here? No, don't think like that. <laughs> don't have those thoughts. I've thought them too when I've heard good sermons before. And I totally missed how it applied to Matthew, see. So let's think about ourselves. Think about you. What have you been doing? What have you been doing? Each Sabbath, you come here. New moon, you come here. Annual feast, you come here and you hear teaching from the Word. And not just teaching from the pulpit, but exhortation and edification from the testimonies and words of exhortation. Brother Arnold gives a lot of them. You hear those good words. But if you do not act upon them, you're the foolish man. This applies to me just as much as anyone. What are we doing with what we are hearing, brothers and sisters? Are we listening and acting or are we listening and not acting? Are we listening and saying, you know what, great sermon. I need to apply it to my life. But then we go and we go through the six work days and we don't ever think about it again. Opening up our scriptures is not something we do weekly. Listening and acting is not something we do weekly. It's something we should do daily. Every day. Brother TJ has brought a couple of excellent sermons on how to handle trials and persevere through trials. Maybe I think they're excellent because they've hit me so hard. Maybe they're for me. I have a hard time thinking that they're not for anybody else. <laughs> but I know that they're for me, Sister Maureen, because when I'm hearing it, I'm being fed, and I'm saying, 
open my mouth, put the spoon down, don't need no sugar, let's just take it all because I need to hear this. The scriptures that he has shown are plain. They're not hard to understand. It's not a technical subject. It's a good biblical subject. Not that technical. The scriptures he's shown us are plain. Yahweh has showed us. It's not Brother TJ. It's Yahweh. He's read the verses. Yahweh has showed us how to go through our trials. But as good as those sermons were to my soul, me just hearing them won't make me have a good foundation. They won't. I can say amen. I can take a note and make, drop the scripture down. And if I leave and I do not act upon those words of scripture that he taught, I'm the foolish man. I'm not the wise man. The only way my foundation and my house will be strong is if I say I receive it, I believe it, it cut, it hurt, but I need to be cut, I need to be hurt. I'm going to go out this six work day week and I'm going to do something different than I did last week. And I'm going to put those verses to practice. You watch and see if Yahweh doesn't change things around in your life when you begin to put things to practice. You watch and see. But then what do we do? I mentioned this to Brother Tim. We put biblical principles to practice and then we're surprised that it worked. It's like with the thing I've talked about being kind and compassionate and trying to meet people where they're at. And and I don't even have to bring up a subject and they'll say, you know what, Matthew, I heard you believe so-and-so. Could you tell me a little bit about that? I'm surprised that they asked me that. I shouldn't be because what's happening is the blessing from me trying to be like Yeshua. And now they want to listen. They see how much I care, and now they care how much I know. I don't say care how much I know in the sense I'm building myself up. That goes for all of us. They see how much you care, they care how much you know. I cannot emphasize, brothers and sisters, I cannot emphasize how important this sermon of the Master in Luke 6 is. He gives us this exhortation about the foolish and wise men at the end, about the house that's sturdy and the house that's not. After he teaches this sermon, we might think the things that he teaches are not that important. We might think that. He thinks they're important enough to, at the end of the sermon, say, if you put to practice what I've just taught, you'll be a man who builds his house on a good foundation. The storms will come and the house will stand. But if you don't, you'll be the exact opposite. So why do we call him master, boss, owner, if we don't do what he says? Why do many people do just that? You ask them, do you believe in the Messiah? Yes, they say. Or yes, you may say. But the fact is, if we are only listening to him and not doing what he says, if Brother Matthew is only listening to him and not doing what he says, you know what we're doing? We are deceiving ourselves. That's what we're doing. James 1 talks about it. A forgetful hearer and not a doer of the word is deceiving themselves. Now, I cannot give the increase in your life I can only plant and water by teaching the Word. But faith, the Bible says, does come by hearing and hearing by the message preached. So if this is you, I ask you, Yahweh will have to give the increase. I can't do that for you. But if this is you, I can't say this, if this is you today, the foolish person, the person that's been coming, listening, but not acting, 
Make it a point not just to say that the Messiah is your master, but to show that He is your master. To show people, I belong, I'm bought with a price of His precious blood. And it wasn't shed in vain because He's changed my heart. And I want to not live in accordance with lawlessness. I want to live in accordance with lawfulness. As I mentioned in the last sermon, a spirit-filled life is a law-filled life. Because Ezekiel 36 says the spirit is given so that he will cause us to obey the law. So you want to live a spirit-filled life. And no matter how different or strange that his words might seem to our fleshly nature, let's realize that his way is not just the right way or just a right way. It's the only right way. You watch and see. I can say this because it's not me. You watch and see. If you come to Him, you listen to Him, and act on what He teaches, things will, blessings will, promises will come your way. They will. I promise you that. I can promise that not because I've got to keep the promise, (laughs) but because Yahweh keeps His promises. So how many love Yahweh? How many want to keep His commandments better than you did last week? That's right. Come on, better than we did last week. Let's get better every week. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You. We thank You. We praise You, Father Yahweh. Thank You for a desire to want to keep Your law. Um, Father Yahweh, it is special, and I'm so thankful for it, Father. Uh, Forgive us when we fail. Uh, Father, each and every day, Father, we pray, forgive, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Help us to forgive men that trespass against us. Father Yahweh, I just, uh, I'm so thankful. Um, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, Father Yahweh. And, but I'm thankful to be part of this congregation. And I believe that I get to teach some of the best people on the planet every week. And I'm so thankful to have good friends in the faith, uh, family, for who is my family, but those that do your will. So, uh, Father, I'm just I'm so excited about the Sabbaths and the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. I get excited every year. I'm so excited about all of these things. And, Father, I just pray that you would bless it, Father, that you would take control and just bring a good time, Father Yahweh, for all of us because these are your times, Father. These are your feasts. And, Father Yahweh, we they are joyous. And, we, and we're going to sing and shout and clap and laugh and smile and cry with each other and it's just going to be it's going to be great. So, uh, Father, just bless it all. Thank you for another Sabbath. Thank you for another day of shoutings of uh, Yom Teruah. Uh, we bless your holy name, and we thank you, Father, as we close it out. Through your Son, our elder brother and our kinsman, Redeemer, I pray.